Greetings and salutations. Uh, my Facebook Live didn't work out for me this morning, so I'm just going to video this uh, devotional and post it. Um, you know, there's a method to my madness, believe it or not. Uh, I jokingly say that this is a chance for you to look in on me while I do my devotions and think with my mouth open. Did you know that talking to yourself about something is a biblically approved way of approaching the Word of God? Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Hint, that's the word, the Bible. And who meditates on his law day and night. Now, the Hebrew word, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, uh, has as a, one of its core definitions the act of thoughtful deliberation with the implication of speaking to oneself to meditate. I work through my problems and challenges and puzzles. I tend to do it verbally. And it took my wife a lot of years to realize that I wasn't making outlandish de declarations of intent about this thing or that thing, but that I was thinking through a problem. And when I think through a problem or a puzzle, I think of all possible avenues of reasonings that I could apply. And sometimes, if you're listening to me, I sound a little bit loony. But that's just me working through my problems. So when I'm thinking with my mouth open, that's what's happening in regards to the Word of God. And this has become one of the most fruitful ways of uh, doing a devotion for me. Uh, I started off doing the Facebook Live every morning eight at 8 o'clock, 8 to 8.30, uh, Monday through Saturday, as a point of accountability to you and to myself and to God. It by the very virtue of that medium, it forces me to read aloud and to speak aloud whatever it is I'm thinking about any given uh, passage of scripture. And so you're looking in on me as I do my devotions and I'm not teaching you so much as I'm teaching me and this is how one of the ways that God speaks to me through a scripture is when I meditate on it day and night, like this. So today we're going to meditate and think with my mouth open on the rest of First uh, Peter chapter 1. And then we're going to look at the first two to three verses of chapter 2. All right, let's get started with the end of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. A couple things that occurred to me 
when I was looking uh, at this and reading this. First thing that came up was uh, that little thing that you see down at the bottom of the chart, discipline, habit, lifestyle. When you're going to change something in your life, the first step usually involves the discipline it takes to get started. And many times it's not easy because you're going to be overcoming something that has been a bad habit that you want to make into a good habit. Exercise comes to mind. Uh, diet comes to mind. For me, it's, uh, it's I'd gotten away from studying the Word of God, studying the Bible, which had been such an important part of my life for so many years. And the reason I got away from it um, was really kind of silly. Uh, I like to do deep dives into the scripture. I love looking into the history and the culture and the um, grammatical things. And I like looking into the original languages. And when I didn't have time to do that because of real life getting in the way, rather than change my approach to the scripture to something less rigorous, I just quit. And that's kind of dumb. So I've decided I'm, you know, I'm going to start back up again. And that's what this whole Facebook Live thing has been. Um, it's a, a commitment to God, a commitment to myself. And it's a point of accountability to you because it forces me to get out of bed. And since I promise I'm going to be here at 8 o'clock every morning and have something on my devotional for you to listen to, it kind of all wraps into kind of getting my backside out of bed and and getting to work at it. So it starts off with discipline, making up your mind to change. And then after a while, it becomes it becomes habitual. In other words, it's like I'm, I'm used to getting up at 6.30 in the morning now to get ready for my 8 o'clock devotional and to read and think ahead of time and, and then to speak with you at 8 o'clock. And then all of a sudden, you turn a corner after it's a habit for a while, and you're still it's still taking conscious thought, but it's not as hard to do. All of a sudden, it becomes a lifestyle, it just becomes something that you do. So that's what I'm working towards here, is to make this get to the point where this becomes lifestyle for me again. So here he's saying, you've purified yourself by obeying the truth. All right. When you start obeying the truth, that's disciplining yourself to do what you know is right. So that you have sincere love for each other. We're called to love each other, right? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, the love you have one for another. Isn't that what Jesus said? Isn't that John's main message? Love God, love your neighbor. He says, so that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, discipline, so that you have sincere love for each other. Now love one another deeply from the heart. Now, from the heart phrase, that means without conscious thought. It just means it. this is a natural outflow of your life. Just like soon, I hope to be in my devo daily devotional will be just something that naturally occurs. And it's associated with me, just like my blonde hair, or gray or white hair now, is associated with me. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. All right, he, he's comparing perishable and imperishable here. We are born again from imperishable seed. Those who are not born again are born of 
perishable seed. And then he goes on to say, everybody's like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. We're going to be surrounded by people who, for a time, will have glory, will have power, will have fame, will have money, will have influence. But if they're not born again, this is going to be like the flowers and the grass of the field. It's going to wilt. It's going to fall away. Um, one generation, two generations from now, nobody will know who these famous people were in our day. The, the world just marches on. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And we have been born through the enduring word of God. So this is the word that was preached to you. All right, let's get to chapter 2. 1 Peter 2.1 Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. All right, whenever you see the word therefore, an old preacher used to tell me, you need to go see what it's there for. Another word for therefore would be because, or because of what you just read. And what did we just read? Well, we read about how uh, we are born of imperishable, non-perishable seed. They were part of an eternal existence. And not to pay attention to those around us who are not born again, but seem to have influence and status and power and, and wealth. He says, don't, don't look at them. They're going to be like the grass. They're going to fade and go away. You know, it's uh, maybe a really good example of this, or, or a poor example of this, depending on your point of view, I guess. Hey, it's an example. It's about me. Um, about 50 years ago, I entered the, let's see, 1975, I entered the Armed Forces School of Music. That's 46 years ago. And I was one of five bass players in the program at that point when I entered. And I was the fifth best bass player. Do the math. When I graduated, after putting in hundreds of hours of practice and lessons and work and sweat, I graduated as about the fifth best bass player out of five. Never made it out of the basement. It was a hard lesson to learn, but it was a great lesson. But the lesson that I took from that, I didn't realize until 46 years later. Now, out of those five bass players, there's one other one of the other players is still playing, and there's myself. The ones who are infinitely better than I was, they're not playing anymore. Now it's not a slam on them. Not everybody is going to be a bass player their entire life. But I'm still here. I'm still standing. That's kind of what Peter's getting at here. He said, these people that you might seem to see as so influential and powerful and something to emulate, if they're not born again, you don't want to emulate them because they're, they're, going, to, they're going to go away. You're going to remain forever because you are of eternal significance. So because of that, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. 
Let's look and see what these words mean. Malice. Again, I'm not going to try to pronounce them. Uh, basically, malice is, is uh, in its most basic definition, it's intentional evil that you project onto somebody else. You plan, it, it, one of the, I think one of the legal terms is this crime was uh, with malice aforethought. In other words, you maliciously planned this thing ahead of time. Malice is not accidental. Malice is personal and malice is intentional. Uh, and sometimes it's a, a morally corrupt circumstance. Sometimes it's just this word is used to describe a situation where uh, maybe you find yourself in an evil situation, a hard circumstance that isn't necessarily morally corrupt, but you need to get out of it anyway. That might be a relationship. How many of us have ever had a, somebody that we really wanted to be friends with and we worked very hard to be friends with, but they end up betraying us or they end up just treating us terribly and they they become a toxic person in our circle you, you need to get rid of that situation you need to walk away from that so get rid of all malice i think primarily he's talking about your malice your inclination to get even your inclination to inflict harm on somebody else stop it get rid of it you're of, you are of eternal significance you're born again. Act like it. And then get rid of deceit. Use an example here of trapping an animal by baiting or by cunning. You're, when you deceive somebody, you're giving them a false indication of what to expect. And it's not true. It's very self-centered. You're deceiving somebody to get them to do something or go somewhere or be something that you want them to do or go to, or be, and it's all about you, and you're deceiving them. Stop it. Don't. You are of eternal significance. Stop inflicting evil on people. Stop deceiving people. And hypocrisy, now this is a cool word. Uh, it's an extension of an actor in a play. Not An actor is a perfect example of a hypocrite. Because they, it's their job to be somebody that they're not. They portray a character. When you're being a hypocrite, you're portraying a character that's not you. You're pretending to be something that you're not. Years ago, I was in a multi-level marketing organization, and it was fun. Uh, I was with this, was in it with some friends, and we made some money, and we were having fun with it, and we were learning some really important business concepts. And one of the leaders in our organization uh, was very, very um, successful. I mean, to look at him, look at the you look at the clothes he wore, the cars he drove, the, uh, he. He was very successful, and he he had the look of being very, very, very successful. And we wanted to be like him. We wanted to emulate that. And that's not a bad thing. When you find somebody who's doing something that you want to do, follow them. Do what they did to get where they've gone kind of thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a perfectly viable 
uh, tactic. But what if that person isn't what they say they are? And as I got to know this person, I began to realize that it was a front. He was trying to dress for success, but he was trying to be something he wasn't because he wasn't that successful with his business. He wasn't doing it correctly, but he was spending money like he was. He was a hypocrite. And I pulled away from him. I realized this is not somebody I want to emulate. So a hypocrite being something, pretending to be something that you're not. John, uh, in his epistle, remember he told the people he was writing to, he says, those people that left us, you have to realize they were never part of us and they proved that by leaving. That means for a while they were hypocrites. They were pretending to be part of the body of Christ. You're going to have that. The earmark of somebody who's a hypocrite is eventually they can't maintain the mask. They will fall away. And then there's envy. Envy, that's, that's an angry emotion. You're angry and upset because they have something that you don't, that you feel you should have. Why do they have that? I did what he did. Why don't I have what he has? Envy is looking at what somebody else has and being angry because it's not yours. Every one of these things here, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, is all self-centered. The art of being a Christian is being outward focused, loving God, loving your neighbor. These are all inward focused. Malice, you're planning evil, deceit. You're, you want to trick somebody to do what you want. Hypocrisy, pretending to be somebody that you're not. Envy, desiring what the other person has and being angry because you don't have it. And slander, well, that's just spreading false news about other people. Again, very self-centered evil, evil things here. All right, this is, Peter's telling us the bad side. Don't be like this. Let's see what he wants us to be like in opposition to this. 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Well, before he talked about the bad side, what we're not supposed to be like, now we're going to look at what we're supposed to be like. Crave pure spiritual milk. Grow up in your salvation. To crave means to long for, to have a desire for, you, you know, it's it's uh, what's really, really interesting to me happened this morning. I've been setting my alarm to get up at 6.30 to prepare to give my devotional at 8 a.m. And I, I told you before, it's because by doing it Facebook Live, it's a point of accountability and I'm trying to establish, I'm disciplining myself to establish a habit that I hope will just become a lifestyle that it'll become like breathing to me. I have to read the Word of God. That's what I'm aiming at. I'm disciplining myself to develop the habit that will eventually become a lifestyle 
of reading and thinking and meditating on the Word every day. This morning, I woke up at 5.30, jumped out of bed, ready to go. I couldn't wait to get in to read today's passage, the first paragraph of uh uh, of First uh, Peter chapter two and finishing up chapter one, I could I hadn't read it before. I didn't really know what I was going to be finding, but I got up excited because I'm going to be getting. I couldn't wait to get into God's word. I I was longing for it. It was becoming something I. Cra- it's becoming something I'm craving, and today it was so much that I actually woke up an hour early and add two and a half hours of time to prepare uh, for the devotional. So, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. That's beginning to happen with me, and I'm very excited. So that by it you may grow in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Well, this whole thing about tasted, that has to do, of course, obviously eating, and by implying enjoyment of the experience, enjoying the meal. My wife is an amazing cook. Uh, our entire marriage, she has never made anything I didn't like. Uh, we have a couple things, though, that are particularly wonderful in our household. Taco Fridays. When Fridays come along, we love tacos. I could probably eat tacos every day. But I love it when my wife prepares a taco meal because... It's an incredible meal. She knows exactly how I like it. And um, it's not fancy. I don't require fancy food, but it is good. I've tasted that her food is good. She makes chili too. Chili's amazing. Her chili is off the chain amazing. When she makes chili, she makes enough for about three days worth of meals. So we eat off that chili for three days. And oh my gosh, it's amazing. I've tasted her food, and it is good. Well, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted the Lord is good. My initial salvation experience was an amazing one. God appeared, showed up, and revealed his presence to me in a way that I have not felt since. Um, it was a profound and life-changing experience. It was good. It was amazing. But that's not enough to sustain a Christian life. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I don't believe you can do that. But you can become a whole lot less than what you should be. If you don't build on that, I tasted that the Lord is good. And we are called to crave spiritual milk so we can build upon that, so we may grow up in your salvation. You know, if you're if you're a a believer and you claim to be a believer, there's certain things that the body of Christ would expect to see from you. One, an increasing ability to love. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We learn that in John. 
And we learn that we expect to see your involvement with the Word of God, with the Bible. If you say you're a Christian and yet don't read the Bible, have no time for the Bible, could care less about the Bible, I kind of question things about whether or not you're really a believer, honestly. I love my wife because I love my wife. I changed my life for her and some of it wasn't easy. I gave up things because I love her. And some of the things I gave up weren't easy to give up. I used to smoke. Now, anybody who knows anything about addiction knows how powerful a nicotine addiction is. But I became a Christian and I love my wife who didn't smoke. So I quit smoking. It was very, very difficult. It was not easy. I love my wife. I changed. If you love God like you say you do, then accompanying that love for him should be the desire to change in a way that brings him joy. Part of that is getting into the Bible, the Word of God. That's how he speaks to us today. I would say 99.999% of any direction I've gotten from God, any answers to prayers have come out of the Bible. It's our holy book. If you say you're a believer, you should be getting into it. That's what Peter's talking about here. Pure spiritual milk. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Isn't that amazing? Well, that about does it for today's devotional. I can't wait to see what else Peter has to say coming up next. So... This is Mr. G. Here's my coffee. And I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 